You're listening to the Government Huddle Podcast, brought to you by GMarkU. Each episode features a unique discussion led by public sector executive and global government thought leader, Brian Chittister. Experts in all things government from around the world join the show to share their stories and provide insight into the rapidly changing landscape that is the public sector. From digital transformation to workforce issues and even thoughts on policy, nothing is off limits. Come on, let's huddle up. At the end of the day, you're learning about yourself. You're learning what makes you tick. You're learning what makes you thrive. When you put yourself in an empowered situation, there is another level of feeling that comes over you. Like, yeah, maybe there's part of you that feels a little insecure or that imposter syndrome sets in. While on the other side, I mean, if I was sitting at like a Tony Robbins event, I would be like, oh my God, you know, like this is everything. Um, so it's those empowering, motivating events. I mean, you have to think too, like when a speaker comes in, you know, when I was working corporate and a speaker would come in, like a motivational speaker, it's like, yeah, you're like so pumped up to like go back to your desk and make the sales and do all the calls and everything. And then maybe like a week later, you're like, oh, you know, you kind of like fall back to that. Like it's, um, it's so good to constantly be putting yourself into those situations because in those situations that are very empowering and motivating, it's doing something to your paradigm, right? Like you're constantly impressing these new ideas, these new feelings on your subconscious. And that is what is helping you to grow and step into the discomfort more and more. And eventually it's not gonna be uncomfortable. You'll find another level of of discomfort that you wanna approach. Welcome back to the Government Huddle Podcast, guys. I'm your host, Brian Chittister. And as my regular listeners know, While I absolutely love to geek out on topics surrounding government, from time to time, I like to bring on a guest that can also help my audience and honestly more selfishly help me focus on topics that can help us grow our careers, improve us as leaders, and maybe most importantly as people. In today's climate, leaders need to possess obviously the technical skills required to fill positions but they don't always have the interpersonal or soft skills necessary to carry out the roles successfully. While some are aware of the bad habits and behaviors, I like to call them blind spots, others may be unintentionally or inadvertently alienating their colleagues. Some of you listening right now are probably thinking of things that you struggle with. In today's episode, I hope we're gonna cover some of those things for you. Things like imposter syndrome, which I know a lot of people are challenged with, including myself, or fear of failure, or even fear of success. And my guest today to help us learn about some of these areas is Kelly Chase. She rose to fame as a reality TV personality. If any of you watched the Netflix reality show, Love is Blind, you'll recognize Kelly as one of the women that took part in the experiment that ended up becoming a hit for the streaming platform. But in addition to that, She's a confidence and mindset coach, and we're going to be pulling on some of those muscles of hers today to to get into some of the issues that some of us struggle with. She's also a speaker and a podcast host, so I'm sure she's going to teach me a few things here today that'll help me in that area as well. Kelly, welcome to the show, and thanks again for joining me today. Hi. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I'll tell you, so full disclosure, I'm not a big reality TV show watcher. (laughs) But like everybody during the pandemic, I mean, there wasn't much to do other than maybe watch some Netflix. So uh, my wife and I watched the show. Um, and one of my first thoughts, anytime I'm watching reality TV, not just not just your show, was the vulnerability it must take to be on a show like that, to really um, be yourself in front of millions and millions of people in such a difficult situation. Um, one of my... One of my favorite people in the world I love listening to and reading is Brene Brown. She talks about mm-hmm. vulnerability all the time. Yeah. Um, but I would have to imagine you kind of got a PhD in that. What was it like to be vulnerable in front of that many people and what did it really teach you? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, it's funny too. I want to comment to your not watching reality TV. I was not either. So how I run <laughs> on a reality show, I don't know. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe um, it made you better on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as the vulnerability goes, um, you know, it's interesting because 
you know, people always ask, you know, is it scripted? You know, is it more of like a scripted thing? And and for our season, let's put it this way, season one, no. Um, it really was maybe they the production prompted us, you know, with a topic to discuss. But as far as like how deep we went with it, that was up to us. I feel like I may have had like a little upper hand on vulnerability. I feel like I've been a vulnerable person and pretty transparent for a handful of years prior to filming Love is Blind. Mm-hmm. Um, but where it may have, you know, deepened that vulnerability and strengthened that within me was just, you know, I was there to find love. And so I felt like I had to expose a lot of my deep, darkest secrets in a sense. Sure. So that someone could really know what they were getting into and and really know me. And I just – I didn't have a fear around it. Um, I mean, yeah, sure, there were some hesitations and whatnot about what we were talking about. But I just felt like it was really important to certain things that we were talking about, whether it was our finances or, you know, do we want children to, Mm -hmm. you know, intimacy, things like that. Like I felt like I needed to be very honest in all of those areas because that is a big deal when you're – going into a marriage, into a relationship, you know? So, um, but as far as like, even after the show aired in 2020, I felt that my level of vulnerability, yeah, it even strengthened more because then I had, you know, my social media blew up. I mean, I went from 7,000 to almost 500,000 followers in the matter of like four weeks and Mm -hmm. all this whole new set of eyes on me. And I just, it was never for show. It was just like, wow, I just want to like continue being me. And I think that so many people resonated with all the stories that I was sharing. I feel like even now I'm probably out of my season. I'm probably still the most seen on my social media. I still show, I show up like every day. I talk to my camera. I just, mm-hmm. but I was doing those things before. Yeah. Um, and I just love, I think the biggest thing to help people is to be vulnerable. And, you know, I mean, yes, I've, I've come from a coaching background, so of course I like have that level of vulnerability there. Um, but empathy is just so important, and to feel, make other people feel less alone. I mean, we're all going through stuff. Just because I was on a show or or whatever, it doesn't mean that I have it all together. <laughs> yeah, well, and it makes sense. I mean, you're saying it, it wasn't necessarily a consequence of the show; it was more a necessity of the show. Yeah, to be yeah. vulnerable, and maybe that's a good lesson to take away: is to if you want to get the most out of situations, especially situations as as serious as marriage i mean vulnerability is can be a huge make a huge impact in Absolutely. how you approach the situation um for those that might not be as familiar with the show um while we're still talking about it the way it way it worked is you didn't get to see the the people you were talking to right you just literally had conversations and um one of the things that i, I usually start my day early um walking before i used to be able to run now i'm walking and but I'm listening to Audible and something that came across the Audible yesterday that I thought was excellent was never miss an opportunity to close your mouth and listen. Yeah. And I think to me, one, it's it's powerful because it's a good reminder. We all know it. We need to be listening more. Mm-hmm. But uh, but two, you, it, it's just to be intentional about it. You didn't have a choice. So was there as as you were there just to listen and learn more instead of just listening to respond? Did you were you able to? take that into other aspects of your life after you left the show? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that it completely improved my communication skills. Um, I mean, I feel like, for example, maybe your own family members are probably the ones that you don't listen to as Mm -hmm. (laughs) well as you should. (laughs) Um, You feel like you already know what they're going to say. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, it, and you know, I, I want to say too, like I'm a recovering fixer. I'm a recovering people pleaser, like those types of things. So I feel like I'm always looking to provide the solution for someone. Mm-hmm. So it's like as they're talking, instead of me just being a listening ear, I'm thinking about, okay, well, how can I solve their problem? <laughs> yeah. So yes, um, as you as you mentioned, yeah, we were um, behind a wall. We didn't see the person. And so, yeah, it was only listening. And so it – um. It helped me to really take that into my day to day and friends and families and, you know, co working situations and be like, okay, Kelly, like focus on what they're talking about and what they're saying and, and really, really listen, gain their perspective. I mean, I've done a lot of personal development work too. That has also been extremely helpful in 
my communication. <laughs> so yeah. I, I'm yeah. so Br- Brene Brown just put out this uh, this special that my wife and I watched, and one of the things she talked about because you're so right, empathy is important, and even what I do at Genesis, empathy is a big thing we talk around around even digital experience, driving digital experience with empathy, and so many people say empathy is really walking in somebody else's footsteps. Mm-hmm. And Brene really flipped it on its head. It says it's not just about that. It's so much more. It's actually knowing that you couldn't possibly walk into their footsteps. And when they tell you something, believe it from their point of view. It's right. not questioning. It's really believing it. So it's. I think it's so important when you're listening to them, really believe what they're saying. Don't second guess it and understand that they have um, a diverse viewpoint that you might not have. You're not, you're not um, advantaged to see. Right. Um, so it's so important to believe them there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that that's something I, I studied a um, like Bob Proctor course uh, last mm-hmm. year. And one of the things that we talked about was perspective and uh, more perception, I guess. And that has really been something that I have been just trying to bring awareness to all the time. I mean, like I said, with I feel like family relationships are a lot more difficult than any mm-hmm. other relationship. And so it's, okay, someone else's experience and their journey in life is different than yours, you know, and that could, that's yeah. everybody, but even to a family member, you know, like a sibling, like, so it's, it's been a tool that I have been utilizing more and more. It's like, okay, well, as to your point of Brene Brown, like saying like, believe what they're saying because that is their reality. Mm-hmm. And so it's helped me to, yeah, improve my empathy and not just be like, okay, like, and blow them off or gaslight yep. or anything like that. Or, or that couldn't possibly be true, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, or it could be possible. Yeah, exactly. It possibly it could be true. So let me just hold space for, listen to them and acknowledge and validate. Yeah, do I understand? Because no, because I'm not, that's not my reality. It's not my belief. While also I can acknowledge and validate their feelings, thoughts, and emotions to make them feel heard and seen. Yeah, absolutely. So it, one of the one of the topics I, I want to pivot over to, and I, I was really excited to discuss it with you, was something that I think a lot of us listening deal with, whether we admit it or not. I, I can I'll raise my hand and say I hundred percent deal with it, um, and I have for a good chunk of my life is imposter syndrome. Um, I, I started following you on social media after you had agreed to join the show, um, and I, I threw that topic out there, and you said, "Yeah, absolutely." And then just the other day you had a post talking about how you experienced this at an event. Do you want to share that story? And, and just want to have a conversation around kind of your experiences with imposter syndrome and any any thoughts or tips you have to the people listening on on maybe to um, get over some of those fears and apprehensions they might have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it was, it was literally just two nights ago. I went to a – I was invited to be a speaker on a panel and – uh, with two two gentlemen, actually. And I feel like that in one essence, just being in a more male-dominated uh, situation, that that could be more intimidating too. <laughs> sure. Um, I don't want to say that it is, but it can be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I actually – I knew one of the guys that was sitting on the panel with me. Um, but I have been an entrepreneur for, I don't know, like four, four and a half, five years. Um these gentlemen sitting next to me had been entrepreneurs for a lot longer. And in my head, like every time a question was asked, you know, we all three were answering the question. And for me in my head, I'm like listening to their responses. And I was just like, God, like they're so poignant and like what they're saying. And they're so just like, just have such good, clear answers. And everything that they were saying, I was like, oh gosh, like they just sound so much more impressive than I did. Um, but then I had to think about it. I'm like, somebody asked me to be up here, like that because they mm-hmm. enjoyed my story, you know, whether they're following me on social media or whatever. And but there's also probably people in the crowd that haven't had businesses for 15 years that are maybe they don't even have a business yet, but they're thinking about it. So they or, can or something you said relate. they they wanted to connect with a female entrepreneur. Right. Yeah, and they wanted to connect with a female because yes, and there were females in the crowd, um, mm-hmm. just more male dominated. Um, but yeah, you're right. And like after afterwards, there were plenty of gentlemen that came up to me and were like, that was great. I loved your story. And it's it's super, you know, it's very relatable, yada yada. So um you know, that just kind of like reassured me, like, you're right, Kelly, like you're exactly where you're supposed to be and your story is going to connect with 
at least one person that's sitting in the crowd. Um, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. And that's okay too. You have your own story and that's what's beautiful about it. It's like everyone is just so unique. But, you know, outside of that, it's imposter syndrome. I mean, coming off the show or um, or, or just being in the like coaching space even, there have been multiple times that I'm like, you know, um, who am I to like talk about this or who am I to be this or who am I to do this? You know, these people have, you know, so much more credibility. They've been doing it longer. They they know more about what they're talking about. Like there's so many things that go through my mind. And I always like, although yes, I have this imposter syndrome and as you said, you get it too. It's like, I don't know, it was sometime during the pandemic, I was watching Justin Bieber on an Instagram live <laughs> And he's talking about imposter syndrome, how Justin Bieber has imposter syndrome. Yeah. I'm like, this multi-billionaire has a freaking imposter syndrome. He gets I'm like, in front of 60,000 people like every night. All the time. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, wow. You know, so it just like really put that into perspective for me. And so every time that I'm like feeling it, like even the other night when I'm sitting up there, I was like, it's okay, Kelly. Justin Bieber has it too. <laughs> <laughs> it, I just like so, remind myself. <laughs> something you said there too was that that they invited you. There's a reason you're there. I always, I, I almost call this like the stewardess effect, where when you're on a plane and there's turbulence, and if you watch the stewardess and they're calm, you can usually remain calm. If they're freaking out, then and it sort of translates, right? I, like I think about this in my in my role, and one of one of my goals in my career is I wanted to be a, a vice president of a company before I turned forty. And I did that and I got into the role and then I looked around and realized there's not a lot of people my age in this role. Mm. But my sometimes my confidence, one, my confidence comes from myself, but two, I'm able to look at my boss who I respect and say, he hired me for a reason right. and he trusts me to do this. And he continually, like he looks at me and, and he'll, he'll ensure that he has that confidence in me. So mm. I get that from him, but I don't need it all the time. I find other ways to, to drive that, but it's so important to me to found, to, I guess, foundationalize that in yourself, right? Find that confidence in yourself because if if you're always looking at it from somebody else's point of view, then that's where you're going to get those insecurities. But if you can really base yourself in that confidence and understand I've been in these situations before, a lot of it comes from experience, right? And, and if I've been in this situation before, this is how I've handled it or I've learned from other people and this is how they handled it and I know I can do this. I think once you get into it, um, it, it, you just kind of react at that point. I, I played soccer growing up. I played in college and professionally, and I always thought of it. I was so nervous before the whistle blew. And once the whistle blew, I didn't even think about it anymore. But leading up to that, I, in my head, I was mm. like, am I going to be good enough? Am I going to let my team down? Am I going to be what they need in the moments that they need me? Um, so, but it's the same way in like in, in your professional world when you might you might stress around as you look around, but you know what, when you're in the, the middle of that meeting and, or you're pre presenting, you don't think about it. You right. just, just kind of react and go and your, your experience takes over. And I think that's important. That's why preparation is so important, honestly. Totally. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, you know, even sometimes I am prepared, you know, like someone will give me like questions or something, or just give me like a lay of the land before I, I go and do a speaking thing. And I'm like, you know, I feel like part of maybe sometimes my superpower is just doing like impulsive, like on the spot type of like oh, reaction yeah. too. So it's yep. like, you know, and I say that because I, I know that there have been times where I've like studied a script or, or done stuff and I'm like, oh my God, I sound so scripted. Yeah. <laughs> like, or you I analyze a question, yeah. you're like, I don't know how to answer that. Right. But, but they, if they answer, answer or like ask you that question spontaneously, you'd probably come up with an answer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So, you know, like I said, I mean, the other night, yeah, maybe I didn't have the most, um, you know, thorough answers, but it was in the moment I was nervous. I was shaking. You know, no one, no, everyone was like, <laughs> we couldn't tell you were shaking. I'm like, well, I was. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, you get through it. Like I, I believe that in-person, um, particularly in-person experiences is the most powerful. And so it's like, you know, you just have to. Like say yes to things that are going to scare the poop out of you. Like yeah. you just have to do it because on the other side of fear is just you feel so light and you feel so good about things. Even if mm -hmm. I totally tanked and I was like, I don't know how to answer these questions, you know, at least – You did you know, it. I was, I was there and I did it, you know. Mm -hmm. Because there's so some people I, that can't do that. <laughs> as a coach, I'm really curious. So, so you coach a lot of people throughout their careers. Um, 
what are some of the things that you've seen, some common patterns that you see that, that people struggle with? I, I would imagine imposter syndrome is one, but what are some other things that you see people commonly struggle with that you're, you're coaching them on, helping them through? Yeah. Um, so fear of failure um, is a big one, but sure. also fear of success <laughs> yeah. is a really big one too. Um, there, it's funny because fear of success wasn't brought to my attention until just this past year. I was working with a client and she was like, I feel like I will you know, out-succeed my husband. And, you know, I don't want to make him feel any type of way. And I was like, well, I understand. And I want your husband to be supportive of you. If you're going to be the breadwinner or if that's what happens, that's just the way it's supposed to happen. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but you and your husband got to get on the same page on on things, right? So, um, but I would say fear of judgment as well. Um, a lot of people, I mean, I, I coach a lot of uh, women in the online space. And I mean, even just at this um, – this event the other night, I was talking to a gentleman in the crowd who I've known since college and he runs a marketing firm, a marketing agency. And he was like, I just give you props because you're like always on your, like showing your face on social media and stuff. And he's like, I don't know. I just, I don't, I'm not that type of person. And I was like, I go, your business will thrive. It will grow more with human connection. I said, period, end of the story. So I was like, I'm not telling you, you need to do it. But I promise you, like, just get over the hump. Like, show your face a little bit and it'll happen, you know? And he's like, well, I don't still want, you know, nobody, like, really needs to see me. And it's just all fear. It's all Mm -hmm. fear-based, you know, fear-based assumptions, fear anything that's keeping you from really excelling and stepping into your fullest potential. So you have to, like, okay, where is this really coming from? Like, some people are like, well, I don't really want to do that. Um, and so I question, I'm like, do you not want to do it because it just doesn't feel fun for you? Or do you not want to do it because you're afraid to do it? Mm-hmm. There's a difference, right? I said, if it's the first thing which, or that you just don't want to do it, great. There's a different way to do it. There's a different strategy out there. But if it's a fear, we're going to work through that fear and we're going to work through it so that you can show up online or you can ask for the raise or you can look at, okay, you know what? Some people are afraid to leave their job because they love all the people that they work with, but they hate their job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they actually hate the the tasks and responsibilities or they're getting underpaid or something, but they love the people that they work with. And I'm like, if those people are meant to be in your life, they will continue to be your friends outside of, mm-hmm. you know, when you're still at that job. So yeah, I would say that those are probably the three or four biggest things that I see on a regular basis are the success, judgment, failure, and the imposter syndrome. I think the the fear of success is interesting, right? Because it's not only it's not only the, the situation you talked about, right? Which is kind of like the interpersonal communication or relationship aspect of it. Right. But what if you what if you succeed outside of your like you get over your skis, right? And you 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 grow you grow really quickly, and you're not really sure how to deal with it, and and navigating that. I can imagine that would absolutely be a stress, especially if you're an entrepreneur, a young yeah. entrepreneur starting a business, and you want to be successful, but um. It, do you, do you have advice for people on how to scale up that way or, or to to kind of manage what growth could look like to make sure they're ready for that success? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, and I'm just on like a single level, like as far as what you were just saying, like the fear of success being the fear of someone's bigness, you know, of like getting too big very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of that success is probably going to come from, you know, maybe they scaled and they made a lot of money very quickly. And now they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to manage this, all that. So, I mean, a big part of what I do is a lot of money mindset work. So getting someone really to understand their their stories, their fears, and the limiting beliefs around money, around success, around wealth um, is really going to help them once they do have that money, you know? And mm-hmm. yeah, maybe they scaled and maybe there's a listener right now that's like, yeah, I just made a lot of money and I don't know like what's going on. You know, I don't know how to deal with it. So, okay, take a step back. It's okay. Start learning more about money mindset while also, you know what, maybe there's some things that, um, some people that maybe you need to hire right now. And like, that's another way to scale and grow your business is to hire a team or at least one person to help you with that. Maybe that's a financial advisor. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe you need to get someone in your pocket to be like, this is what you need to do with your money. Um, I mean, that was, was definitely a fear of mine was like, okay, well, once I hit this certain amount, what am I going to do that? (laughs) So yeah, I mean, it's really preparing yourself. Like that's a thing too. I feel like people who win the lottery. You know, they like win a lot of money all of a sudden and then two years later, the money's gone. Well, they didn't know how to manage their money. They didn't know mm-hmm. how to deal with it, right? They didn't have, um, they weren't a vibrational match for what they received. 
So we have to become a vibrational match. And that's a lot of like law of attraction manifestation talk while that's where the, like the money mindset stuff comes in. It's like anything that we're doing, we have to kind of like clear up the pipes, clean out the pipes as far as, like I said, those fears, those stories, and those limiting beliefs around things. And once we do that, then we've, okay, now we're more of a conduit and, and a vibrational match for what we're wanting. Because all of us are like, oh yeah, we want to be millionaires. We want to you know have six figures, whatever the case may be. But if we're not a vibrational match for it, it's going to be hard to actually receive it. Or if we do receive it, we'll push it away because of the fears and the limiting beliefs. I, I think, I mean, that's a really good lesson. I, even if you're not an entrepreneur, somebody listening, somebody who's yeah. who's leading a team or, or even had aspirations of growing their career to get to a point. I mean, you can absolutely get to a point where you're not ready for. Mm-hmm. And you need to make sure that you're preparing for that point, whether it's managing people, right? As a leader, you could grow and just be an individual contributor your entire career and continue to escalate until you get to a point where you're leading a team and you say, oh, wow, I, you know what? I am not prepared for this. Right. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know this is what it was going to be like. I thought I was ready. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you how do you help people in those situations when they're when they get into those surroundings? Even if it's not about money, but it's it's just right. more about confidence. Or or how do you help? Maybe this is the better question. How do you help them see what's coming, mm-hmm. so they're able to kind of as they're climbing that mountain prepare for that journey? Yeah. Um, so I do a lot of like visualization stuff. <laughs> oh, I love that. I, yeah. Yeah. I've done that my whole life. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love visualizations. So really getting them also, I'm actually going through a course currently um, to help improve myself with this, this skill, but um, regulating their nervous system. A lot of us have a, that's a big thing. We get flustered and we go into fight, flight or freeze mode and it's like, oh my God, you know? Um, but I mean, I'm a huge advocate of personal development, but also like creating a self-care routine. So mm-hmm. the meditation, encouraging my clients to do, to meditate, to um, to visualize, to write out affirmations or listen to affirmations on a regular basis. All of this stuff is really helping them to bring awareness to all of their insecurities and their doubts and whatnot and can help transform it to confidence and showing up in more of like an empowered state. So with those tools – they're able to improve those situations more, right? Um, but in the sense of like, like I said, like visualizing, okay, well, what are you really wanting? While also, okay, well, how, how is that going to feel for you once you have it? How, how do you feel right now without it? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and just, it, it's all about awareness. I mean, yep. specifically speaking, like it is all about awareness. So bring attention to the emotions that you're feeling right now. But also, okay, well, when you have this or when you're in this, that's okay. And what are we going to do about it? So if we can kind of prepare a little bit ahead of time, then once they have that, you know, team role or something, the team lead role, then they may have the tools or they'll have the tools to be like, okay, it's I can handle this, you know, and, it, and it's just a discomfort. If you can remind them, like, it's just a fear, it's just a discomfort, all you got to do is learn. Like you're not you, – we're not always going to know something. Like I I was one of those people back in the day that always would maybe like, you know, applying in corporate or whatever. It's like I would apply for the roles that fit my – where I was at, right, where I was currently at. And then I started thinking, why don't I apply for the roles where that are going to challenge me, where I really don't have all the skill sets because that's mm-hmm. that's how we grow, Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, if I can help someone else understand that and really empower them to stop playing in the comfort zone, let's go uncomfortable and you shine in that regard. You know, maybe, yeah, it is a little fake until you make it in the confidence, in the confidence realm. Mm-hmm. But if you can really get your head around it, it's like, wow, I just landed this position. Now I need to like meet the standards of it. And that's okay. Yep. Like we can do that. So. I think that I think that's really great advice. And the other thing I would say is to anybody who who's listening and saying, "Yeah, you know what? I've been complacent. I need to do that." It, it, it is a little bit of fake it till you make it. But I would say, don't be afraid to ask questions. I remember when I was yeah. younger in my career, and I would get into a role that I that was pushing me, that was challenging me, and somebody would say something, and I would think, "Oh man, I have no clue what they're talking about." Right. <laughs> I didn't want to ask the question because then they're going to know I don't. And what I realized is. That it, that's not the that's not the approach because right. ultimately the outcome is what matters, right? And you need to have that knowledge. And people people above you, beside you, below you, they want to help. 
So mm-hmm. if you have questions, you you are not expected to know everything, no matter where you are in your career. Right. Um, there's CEOs that that are probably missing missing information that some listeners today have. So mm-hmm. I think people should always be willing to ask questions. Going back to vulnerability, right? Be yeah. vulnerable. Yeah. Ask the questions and be willing to to educate yourself in those areas. Which actually leads me to a question you were talking about: um, self help and kind of growing. Where do you go to to self educate and and not only do the the self help, but also to kind of educate yourself in the in the business world, in the leadership mm-hmm. world, et cetera. Yeah. So I mean, like I said, I, I have a, like a morning routine that I practice every day um, as far as like the personal development and self care. Um, outside of that, I mean, I've invested whether that be time, energy, or money into. Um, coaches and mentors for the last four and a half years. Um, that is probably my biggest go-to. Um, outside of that, going to like a, an event and surrounding myself around the people that are doing the things that I want to be doing or the people that are already the things that I want to be or already have the things that I want to have. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's leveling up and I put myself into uncomfortable situations. I go to events alone. I, you know, it's, it is always the the. I always used to say this. It's like what doesn't uh, what doesn't challenge you won't change you, and it's true. Like so, I do. I put myself in uncomfortable positions all the time, and that that right there. I mean, it's even taking myself to dinner like by myself. Yeah. You know, it's little things like that, or going for a walk by myself. Like it's those little things that really do help you to shift your perspective and really learn more about yourself. Because if at the end of the day, you're learning about yourself, you're learning what makes you tick, where you're learning what makes you thrive. When you put yourself in an empowered situation, there is another level of feeling that comes over you. Like, yeah, maybe there's part of you that feels a little insecure or that imposter syndrome sets in. While on the other side, I mean, if I was sitting at like a Tony Robbins event, I would be like, oh my God, you know, like this is everything. Um, so it's those empowering, motivating events. I mean, you have to think too, like when a speaker comes in, you know, when I was working corporate and a speaker would come in, like a motivational speaker, it's like, yeah, you're like so pumped up to like go back to your desk and make the sales and do all the calls and everything. And then maybe like a week later, you're like, oh, you know, you kind of like fall back to that. Like, so it's, it's um, it's so good to constantly be putting yourself into those situations because in those situations that are very empowering and motivating, it's doing something to your paradigm, right? Like you're constantly impressing these new ideas, these new feelings on your subconscious. And that is what is helping you to grow and step into the discomfort more and more and eventually it's not going to be uncomfortable. You'll find yep. another level of, of discomfort that you want to approach. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those are my biggest things that I do. <laughs> no, I, I think it's great. And and one of the things I want to call out that you said in there, uh, going to like a Tony Robbins event or whatever event and you get back and you're so motivated. That's one of the reasons, and, and I say this all the time, you have to prioritize discipline over motivation. Yeah. Because to me, motivation will wane a hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about just just basic things, right? You take it out of the professional world. Think think about going for a run, right? New Year's hits and everybody's so motivated to hit their goals. And if your goal is I want to get in better shape or I want to lose weight, you you might go to the gym for 10 days, but you know what? On the eleventh day, you're like, eh, maybe I won't. And then the twelve it just starts. But if you set a routine, you talk about doing your morning routine. If you set right. your routine, build a habit stay disciplined. That's how you really become more resilient in your, in your goals. And another, another, um, book that I love, um, you might've read it, I read it atomic habits is by James clear. And he talks about how your, your habits are what really define you. Yeah. If you can build those habits, that is ultimately what's going to drive the outcome. Mm -hmm. Um, so to me, it's that discipline around habits that can really make you make you better, make you grow. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of my former, um, you know, speaking of the subconscious mind, um, so one of my former mentors, she said one time, she was like, you know, most people say you need to be really disciplined in what you do, disciplined in your actions. And she said, the biggest thing is that you need to be disciplined in your thoughts because your thoughts are creating your actions. Correct. And it was so profound for me. And I was like, you're right. Because if we're constantly saying like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not good enough or whatever, then our actions are going to reflect that. But if we're like, I can do this, I'm, you know, I'm confident, 
whether you believe it yet or not, just say those things, right? Mm -hmm. And your actions, like over time, your subconscious will start to change those things and you will start to act in those different ways, right? So, um, but yeah, the discipline, 100%. I mean, we can lose motivation all the time, but it is truly changing how we think to how we're feeling about a situation and really taking the inspired action and being disciplined in that. So if we can create those little baby steps. I mean, people think that maybe, oh, you have to like meditate and do this whole like self-care routine for five hours in the morning. And it's not. It could be a 10-minute routine. You know, it's like what, you know, write down three things you're grateful for. That could what be, like, be your, your bed. Yeah, it has, it has to be sustainable. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I I mean, there was a time that I had on my schedule, I was doing three hours of self-care. And then I started prioritizing my sleep a little bit more. And, and that <laughs> went. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, but it it did help me, you know, become a little bit more resilient. And I I enjoyed waking up at 5 a.m. and and being with the birds for a little while before the world yeah. woke up. But you know, I haven't gotten myself back to that yet. Um, and I don't know if I ever will. Like, I don't think that we, to be successful, you have to wake up at 5 a.m. Like, I don't, no, you don't have to be. Like, get your sleep. That'll be making more successful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sleep is huge. Um, it's something that my wife and I are missing out on because our third kid is now only three months old. Oh, so, goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're losing, I mean, her more than me even. So, uh, yeah. so you're absolutely right. Sleep is important. But yeah, you're right. You don't have to wake up at four or five in the morning to, to, right figure it out. It has to be sustainable. It has to work for you. Totally. Um, one question that I have for you, um, and it's something that drives me nuts. I was, uh, I usually work from home, but I had to go to, uh, go to a meeting the other day, an offsite we were having and my head was about to explode because I continually heard somebody on the other line who, who didn't actually fly in for the meeting say, but that's not our job over and over again. And literally you could have pictured me. I mean, I, I was about to turn red. Um, so as a leader, how do you, how do you lead teams to show them what, one of my mentors said this and I, I latched onto it. And whenever I say this, other people say, I love that. I want to take that is mm -hmm. it's swim lanes, but it's all water. Yeah. And yes, you have swim lanes, you have your dedicated task, but at the end of the day, you're all a team moving in one direction, right? Mm -hmm. So you can, you can flow back and forth. Um, how do you, how do you instill that mindset in a team? What advice would you have to really, I mean, it's one thing to obviously do your job, but rolling up your sleeves and helping other people should be part of that priority for you. How do you instill that in your, in your teams? Yeah, I honestly, I would say trying, I mean, using that vulnerability and that empathy, um, to really get your team excited about your idea, about your vision, about the company's vision. Um, and you know, I, because of the vulnerability and, and the rawness and the transparency that I instill, it's like that empathy of connecting with another human, like share your story. If you lead a team, I think they need to know your story. They need to know why you were working this job, why you were here. And that right there can be like, wow, okay, you know what? I love her story. I love his story. I want to show up. I want to do this with them. So I think that, I mean, storytelling is what is connecting mm -hmm. to everything, you know? So I feel like that right there can help your your team really, really hone in on, okay, you know what? This is the thing. Like we need to all come together and work together. I mean, that's why people, you know, you have like charity things. Like you, you understand the story of like what this mm -hmm. person is going through or what this group is going through. Like it's all story. So if you can help them through storytelling, shift their mindset and want to be there, great. You know, if not, then it's, okay, if you still don't want to be here, then ask them what their story is. Get to know your team and be like, what's going on? You know, something at home. You know, a lot of our, um, a lot of what we do is a projection, right, of what's going on on the inside of us. You know, maybe it's an insecurity. Maybe someone has an insecurity and they're like, I don't want to do that because they, they have a fear, like they're going to screw it up or something. So, Really understand your employees and your coworkers mm -hmm. and colleagues. And again, your story is going to connect with someone. Communication. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> well, I think asking questions and something we talked about earlier and listening, I mean, that, that's ultimately in during the conversation is understanding. And this is my response is okay, well, what are what what is your job and what what are your what are your objectives, right? What are your KPIs and why is this something that's maybe outside of what you can support and understanding that what their boss was was driving them to do and, and to drive outcomes around kind of came into conflict with this, 
right? So right. maybe it's okay, we need to go talk to him and figure out how we can make this part of what you're doing and how we can align goals and objectives. So listening and understanding what their situation is, I think is absolutely, like you said, it's absolutely um, an important aspect of it and find out what motivates them. I think that's, right. that's a really not, another good piece of advice that you gave is understand their story, what's really driving them. I think that's important. We yeah. talked about, um, we talked about motivation and discipline. Um, and I think one of the things that really derails people in, in no matter what they're trying to do is they get in kind of like slumps or, or ruts where they just really can't pull themselves out of it. Right. I, I, I was running for every day for a month and you know what I, it rained one day and now I, now I didn't go. And now the next day I don't feel like it. And now I can't pull myself back into getting mm. into that habit. How do you pull yourself out of, out of situations like that, whether it's, whether it's around physical exercise or it's, it's work related or just getting that, that motivation to get back into the habit that maybe you had done so well to form. What, what's your uh, advice for people doing that? Yeah. Um, yeah, there are a few things. Um, I mean, I would say for one, probably like listening to some type of like empowering like podcast or, or mm -hmm. an audible book or just like listening to some chapters in an audible, um, or going on YouTube and typing in like empowering something <laughs> or motivating yeah. video. Um, cause it really does, it can really start to like pump you up in that regard. Um, there are times I, I mean, Although, yes, maybe there's like been three days or, or however long that I'm like, okay, I know I should be doing this, but like I'm just like not, I don't know, it's just like something's off. Like, again, it's the awareness, okay, like what is that and what can get us like back to it? So I'm, I mean, I may go for a walk in nature. Like, I, I mean, nature is very healing, it's very connecting. Um, so that is like one of the things that I will do. I will do that. I will like maybe go work out or something. And it's just doing things that are maybe going to, Take your mind off of that for a second and then come back to it. Um, but the empowering part I think is always um, something that really can help me drive myself back into it. Doing things like this, I mean, again, it's connecting with other people. Like I'll, I'll happen to go like live in my – like I have a Facebook group, so I'll go live in my Facebook group. Although I don't know if anyone's watching at the time, but like I'm just talking and I may be saying like, y'all, I'm in, really in a slump. Like just being honest. Mm -hmm. Just – calling yourself out on these things. Um, but I feel like reaching out to someone, reaching out to someone even can be something that could be very helpful. Like, hey, I'm not doing really well right now. Can you like give me some motivation? I just need – or I need someone to like listen to me. You know, those types of things I think are really, really powerful in getting yourself back into it. But yeah, I mean for me the most – the biggest thing that I do is probably either step away from everything, like even step away further, although I've already gotten myself out of it, <laughs> step away a little bit further because I feel like that just like total disconnection. Because sometimes if we're like, I have so much stuff to do, but I'm like not in the right headspace, we're drowning ourselves in the thoughts of I have so much to do. And so we're like sitting there trying to do the things, but we can't because we're not in the right mental headspace. So I feel like if you just detach yourself completely and go for a walk, go work out, go mm -hmm. grab dinner with a friend, go just disconnect for a little while. Something in that um, space that you've created will bring forth this like wave of like, okay, I'm ready. I can do this again. Yeah. I think it, it, what's, what's really powerful in, in all the things that you said is actually what you didn't say. And what you didn't say was you just sit there and, and wait for that motivation to come back. Right. Yeah. You, you have to take you have to take control of the situation and it doesn't mean you have to like run and go do something right now and go. Right. But take take that <clears throat> next step. Right. Take put one foot in front of the other. Take that next step. Figure out what it is. If if it's exercise, maybe maybe you don't need to go for a run, go for a walk. Right. And just for take that action and remember how good it feels to be outside if it's yeah. work. Uh, and maybe you're you're you have this thing to write and you just don't want to start it because, you know, it's going to be so long. You know what? Start doing a framework. You know what? Don't 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 attack it. Just throw some ideas on paper, little one word, two word, just to get your thoughts going. And even right. that can be enough to to motivate you to to get back into it. But take some kind of action, right? Take that next step. I think is is really important. Absolutely, I agree. Mm -hmm. So as we wrap up, um, the last question I have for you is: What's a question that I didn't ask you that you wish I'd asked you? or that you get asked all the time and maybe you feel like you're able to to give like such great advice but I didn't ask you that. What's something that our listeners could really take away um, from you today? Huh, great. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> you said you you said you're good sp uh, spontaneously. I know, so spontaneous. <laughs> um 
I want to say like how how have I continued my journey despite other people's opinions? Oh, that's I think that's great. I mean, because you talked about judgment earlier. Yeah. So yeah. so what what is that like or been like for you? Yeah. So for me, okay. So I was both of my parents were not entrepreneurs, so I don't feel like they've ever really grasped and understood. Um, this reality. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that is something like, I mean, as an entrepreneur, straight up have uh, had a lot of setbacks. Um, I had to, you know, I left corporate to pursue entrepreneurship. I was there for two years. And then I went actually back into corporate because I got myself into a financial situation and I just couldn't pull myself out of it. Um, my family you know, there, there's a lot of belief systems in, in a lot of people. It's not just my family, but a lot of people. It's like, you know, those who may even have a career and are thinking of launching a business or starting a business or they have a side hustle and they've been doing their side hustle for – it's been a side hustle for a little bit longer than they want. Like they're always exhausted because they're working a nine-to-five, but then they're also doing a side business and they have kids and husband and all the things uh, or wife. And it's like, okay, when are you – like, you can't do this for the rest of your life. Like, you can't. Your adrenals will be shot and you will, you know, contract a disease. Like, (laughs) you need to make sure that you're taking a lot of time for yourself. But we get in this, like, all these, uh, like, cultural beliefs and societal beliefs of, like, we – the more money or the the more that we're doing, the more successful we'll be, the more valuable we'll be. Or – you know, we need to be really realistic and and create safety and security. So we have to have the corporate. We need to have the corporate job because we're getting the consistent paychecks and the the four hundred one k and the insurance. But you know, the health benefits and all of that. And it's like, okay, yes, and but is that really creating happiness in your life? So what are you I passionate have, about? What are you passionate about? And yeah, there's and not to knock nine to fives or corporate or anything. Like there's a lot of people that really love their corporate jobs and I love that for them. That was just not my experience. Like I had to find what I was passionate about and really pursue that. And I've been able to, it does bother me when I, I mean, it was just a few weeks ago. I mean, I heard, I overheard my parents talking about like, you know, I just feel like she would, she should be a little bit more realistic. And I'm like, I am being realistic. And mm-hmm. in the entrepreneurial world, this is reality. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. The ebbs and flow of business and, mm-hmm. and all of that. And so it's just it, – it can bother me, but because of the personal development and the self-care and the self-love work that I do on a re- everyday basis, that is what helps me to just be confident in knowing that I am creating a life of my dreams. And it may take 20 years to do. It may take two months. I don't know. That's up to God, you know, in a sense, and the inspired action that I'm taking. But I don't want to succumb to other people's beliefs and their opinions and the judgment of others. I mean, yeah, I'm on social media a lot. I'm between, you know, posting certain things and posting things that are could be controversial or make people raise their eyebrows. And my head immediately goes to my friend's that are watching. It's not the it's not the people I don't know that are watching my social media. It's the people that I do know watching my mm-hmm. social media. I'm like, what are they thinking about this? Oh gosh, they're probably like going to text me right after I post this thing, you know? Yeah. But this is me. This is my perception on life and I have to just continue as I said, like doing the self-growth work is what is creating the confidence in me to just keep going and shush out the naysayers more or less. Yep. Let me ask you this, and I I, I kind of lied. I guess I, I do have one more question for you because <laughs> you you talk about um you, so you were talking about how your family has maybe feelings about about that, and I think a lot of people probably have this very very common, especially for entrepreneurs, I would imagine. But but it could be anything. Um, do you do you think it's valuable for people to? I'm going to use the word insulate, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but insulate yourself with people around you that are going to kind of prop you up and motivate you and go forward. Or is it good to to not really be intentional about that? And you know what? Sometimes naysayers can can you sometimes maybe you need not naysayers, but somebody who's objective. But also, I'm somebody who gets motivated by people telling me I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And and I, sometimes I want to hear people say, "Yeah, but but Brian, I, I'm not really sure that's that's going to work, or I don't think you'd be good at that, or that there's no way that's that you're you're going to achieve that." Sometimes I need to hear that because that's mm-hmm. that gives me a little bit of a chip on my shoulder to say, "No, not only am I going to do that, but I'm I'm going to show you." 
Um, so I could see value in both, but, but what are your Mm -hmm. thoughts around kind of who you surround yourself with? Yeah. Um, I, yes, I, I do agree with you that both can be very, um, effective. (laughs) Um, I would say more so though, surrounding yourself with the people that are going to empower you. And like I said, that are be doing and having the things that you want because they're not going to necessarily judge you because they've been there before. Well, empowering doesn't have to be a yes man either. Yeah, no, it can be people objective and truthful. And sometimes it's hard to hear, but they still want you to be successful. They're not trying to say, don't do it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like we're always, we're always going to have like, okay. So with my journey, this was four or five years ago when I started my whole like self-growth journey, I had to not cut ties, but I had to create distance between the people that I was hanging out with or had been hanging out with on a regular basis. Not to say that they were bad people. They're great people, lovely. They were just in different places in their life than I was and where I was going. And so I, again, just going to the discomfort. I was going to events by myself. I was going, you know, I did like a whole mastermind of girls I found on a Facebook group and surrounded myself with people, like I said, that were doing what I wanted to be doing mm-hmm. uh, or we all wanted to be doing the same thing, right? And so I was finding that and I just – now, I mean, what is the saying? Like you're you're the collection of the five people you surround yourself with. If you were constantly – let's say you had one person that is empowering and the other five are bringing you down – your mind is probably going to be quite insecure and you're probably going to believe a lot of the thoughts and opinions of those five people versus that one person that's bringing you up because what it's that negative thing. Like even on social media, you have like a hundred comments and there's one negative comment. You're going to, you're going to find human nature. It's human nature. It's what we latch onto. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can surround, like, like I said, you're always going to have those naysayers or, or people that just, aren't really supportive, I guess, as supportive as you would like them to be. And I mean, I've been in those situations. Like I said, I mean, my family is great. They are very supportive and they're like, hey, you know, if you're doing it, you're doing it. We're very proud of you and all the things. And also they have made those comments of like, just mm-hmm. has to be realistic and everything. And it's, you know, there are times when I got really excited about something and I would share it with a family member and they wouldn't really like, because they didn't understand. So they didn't know how to respond. Mm-hmm to keep me in that elevated state. And no one's going to celebrate you like you can celebrate yourself, right? But I was recognizing like a pattern. It was like every time I would share something, it was like, oh, that's great, Cal. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I know it is. Like, let's talk about it. And I was like so excited about it. But it was like a very dimming of the light type of experience. And I was like, you know what? So I started sharing those experiences with people who understood and who got it and that Mm -hmm. could fully um, express and celebrate with me. So yes, I do think that both, but I feel like you need to be surrounding yourself more with the positive, positive criticism, someone who is going to really bring you up with them and and wants you to succeed. I think that, and and one with that, I think surrounding yourself, no matter what they're going to say to you at the end of the day, they want you to succeed. And I think that's the best surrounding. Kelly, thank you so much for joining. I think we covered a lot of great topics. I think there's a lot of people listening that definitely got some some great advice on probably things they're dealing with. I mean, woke up this morning and, and needed to hear this. So thank you again for joining me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This has been the Government Huddle Podcast. You can check out more episodes of the show by heading over to govexec.com backslash podcast. And feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter at Chittister AB. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye for now.